It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's eat, baby. That is never not going to make me laugh. Absolutely hilarious. We are presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You guys know the deal. I'm giving away a free Madden. All I need is for you to go to keeps.com slash Ross Tucker or go to Manscaped and get 20% off using the code FEAST, or go ahead and become a patron of all that we have to offer at RT Media, patreon.com slash RT Media. Appreciate those of you that support the show, got to support the team. Got to support Joe Dolan as well, at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter. I am at Ross Tucker. NFL, betonline.ag, the promo code for the 50% welcome bonus is podcast one. That is the key. Joe, we got to dive into it. It's week three, onward and upward in the NFL. Thursday night, Joe, it is the Titans at the Jaguars. And as of when we're recording this, 2.32 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, Jalen Ramsey Still a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you have on this game? Uh, Ross, I'm I'm starting to wonder why the NFL chooses to subject us to uh, this matchup each and every year uh, <laughs> on a Thursday night. It's the lowest line game of the entire week, Ross. Uh, and and obviously with uh, with uh, Gardner Minshew in here, we're not expecting a whole lot of uh, of uh, fireworks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Titans are two-point favorites. Uh, that that sets up pretty well for Derrick Henry. But from the Titans' perspective, there's really only a couple of guys who who even have fantasy value at all at this point. It's Derrick Henry and it's Delaney Walker. Uh, Delaney Walker uh, for for the Titans played just 57% of the snaps last week, but he actually led the Titans' tight ends in snaps, which is a change from Week One. And the good news for Walker is he's basically running a route every time he's out there. They're they're letting Jonu Smith and Michael it be the blockers. Delaney Walker's out there to catch passes. Uh, we at least finally saw Corey Davis catch a pass. Uh, I guess that's good. He didn't do that in week one, but he should be on your bench until further notice. It's Derrick Henry and it's Delaney Walker here uh, for the Tennessee Titans, Ross. And obviously Corey Davis would get a bump if Jalen Ramsey does not play in this game, but he's not really somebody I'm interested in in the first place. Um, what about running back uh, anything else there with the Titans? Uh, Marcus Mariota, Ross. I just I, I can't trust this offense uh, with Marcus Mariota throwing the football. Uh, in week number one, he threw for just under 240 yards. Almost all of those came after the catch, including on the Derrick Henry 75-yard touchdown. He is not throwing the ball down the field at all, which is why I thought A.J. Brown, for the time being at least, is a little bit of fool's gold. I know people were picking him up after week one, and why I'd have Corey Davis on my bench 
until further notice. The one thing here about the Titans that's confusing me a little bit, Deion Lewis is playing half the snaps in this offense. Matter of fact, he and Derrick Henry had a clean split in week number two against the Colts. Uh, The Titans played 60 snaps offensively. Henry and Lewis each played 30, but Deion Lewis got only four opportunities on those 30 snaps, and he is going nowhere with the ball. I thought because of the way Marcus Mariota is not throwing the ball down the field, that Deion Lewis might actually have a little bit more value as a dump-off receiver. That just has not happened right now, which is why Derrick Henry and Delaney Walker are really the only two Titans you can consider for your lineups at this point. Okay, Jaguars. I must admit I have Minshew mania. What does it mean for the Jaguars skill guys? Well, Ross, the one thing that that I need to point out here, we'll get to Leonard Fournette, but... DJ Chark has been a little bit more involved as an intermediate and short area receiver than I anticipated. Uh, I know coming out of LSU, he was noted for his deep speed, and, and he has shown that off. He showed it off in week one. But last week, he saw nine targets. He got in the end zone again. You thought this might be the area where D.D. Westbrook really dominates uh, for Gardner Minshew. But D.J. Chark has been his preferred receiver through two games, nine targets in week number two compared to just five for D.D. Westbrook. Um, I don't want to say that's good. That's going to be the case going forward, but Westbrook and Chark, I actually consider both wide receiver threes. I'd rather start either of those two guys over any receiver on the Titans. What about Fournette? Uh, the great thing about Leonard Fournette, six targets in back-to-back games. How about 97% of the snaps, Ross, and 21 opportunities in week number two uh, against the Texans? This is what we wanted to see from Leonard Fournette. The offense isn't nearly as polished as we had hoped, obviously, with Nick Foles uh, being out. But Leonard Fournette is the guy who makes this whole thing go. Uh, and, and the fact that he can be involved even when a game gets out of hand because of the passing targets, this puts Leonard Fournette firmly on the RB1 radar. This is really not a guy you should be benching unless there's an injury or something changes because at 97% of the snaps for us in week two, he was one of the single most used running backs in the entire NFL. Yeah, he's he's on my team. Thank thank goodness. Uh, let's move on to Sunday, one o'clock. The Bengals at the Bills. We'll start with the Bengals. Talk to me about their running backs. Talk to me about John Ross. Uh, the problem with the running backs here, Ross, is they're not getting any room to run whatsoever. I mean, Joe Mixon, I, I made the decision to bench him, Ross, even though he was active last week. And, and it, it was the right decision. But so far this year, 17 rushes for 27 yards for Joe Mixon. And here's the big issue. Just five catches for 17 yards. Yikes. The offensive line is a big issue. But if you think, oh, Mixon shouldn't have played, he's just, you know, he has no burst. Well, Gio Bernard had six carries for six yards. So there is they are just not generating a push at all up front. I'd consider Joe Mixon an RB3 flex type of option until further notice. And unfortunately, Ross, this is yet another tough defense for Joe Mixon to face. This build defense is legit. And with the Bengals as six-point underdogs, I think Joe Mixon is going to be a guy who needs to catch some passes to really return fantasy value here in week number three. Uh, with John Ross, look, uh, I 
was taking kind of a mini victory. And this is what I, I, I got what I deserved, Ross. I was taking kind of a mini victory lap with John Ross here uh, on the radio on Sunday saying, well, I didn't pick him up because I didn't believe in him. And, you know, and uh, everything that was uh, that we thought about him is true. And he just had a big game. And then he goes off for a 66 yard touchdown in garbage time. The only area where that touchdown mattered. I don't think it mattered in the betting markets. It didn't matter uh, for, for the spread. It didn't matter for the total. The only area where that touchdown mattered was for fantasy. John Ross uh, scoring with 45 seconds left in that game, uh, the 66-yard touchdown. Look, if you understand that he is going to be highly volatile, if you understand that Andy Dalton is typically going to be volatile, you can put John Ross in your lineup as a number three receiver or a flex, understanding that there is the chance that, look, without that 70-yard touchdown, Ross, he would have had three catches for like 45 yards, and everybody would have been disappointed. What do I do with John Ross? Those games are going to happen with him. Uh, Tyler Boyd's the guy you start every week. He had 10 targets, 10 receptions. He's the guy you start every week. But as long as you understand that the bad games are coming for John Ross, then you can put him in your lineup and don't get upset if he goes for two for 30 because I think that's just the type of the receiver he's going to be. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I was disappointed in the Bengals' performance overall, but from a no, it was bad. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, I, I was surprised. What about the Bills, man? Um, Josh Allen, you yeah. know he is he, he he looked pretty good in that game. Look, Ross, nobody's ever going to accuse Josh Allen of being precise, right? It's never going to be his game. He's never going to be Drew Brees. He's never going to be Tom Brady. But the one thing that he does is he has this playmaking mentality that I just think suits fantasy very, very well. Um, he He's always looking down the field. He's going to look to run. He's going to be competitive, reaching for the goal line, trying to get over the line. And, you know, it's something that I think, Ross, a, a lot of the comparisons to Cam Newton here are viable for Josh Allen. We can see what the long-term concerns about that are. But I don't think anybody – and now Cam was a better prospect than Allen. But I don't think anybody would ever accuse Cam, even at his peak, of being the most precise passer. But what he did do was he out-athletic out everybody. He was bigger. He was faster. And Josh Allen can do a lot of those things. Uh, so right now, Ross – with all the losses that we've seen at the quarterback position, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger going down, uh, Nick Foles, obviously, Sam Darnold on the lower end, Cam Newton might not play this week. Josh Allen's a QB1, Ross, and he's a guy who he was the number one quarterback over the final six weeks of the season last year. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ross, but by the eye test, it appears Josh Allen has made progress as a passer. I don't see why this isn't sustainable. He is continuing over the performance from last year into this year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the overall quarterback one here uh, for the season, but to say, to say that he can't be a top 10 quarterback, I don't know what you're watching because this looks like a top 10 fantasy quarterback to me. Well, yeah, I don't think he's a top 10 real life quarterback, but I think fantasy quarterback. No, I think top 10 fantasy. I think you're right. And he is getting better and better, which is. A great sign for the Bills. What are you doing with the backfield? Well, we have to keep an eye on Devin Singletary. He left that game late with uh, with a hamstring injury. And if Devin Singletary doesn't play, Ross, I think Frank Gore becomes an intriguing DFS option this week. Uh, look at what happened to the Bengals. The run that they had that great defensive performance in Seattle, and then 
against the 49ers, Ross, they give up 259 yards on the ground. And Frank Gore is just ageless. 19 carries, 68 yards. He gets a touchdown. By the way, he didn't score a single rushing touchdown in Miami last year. So he already has one of those for Buffalo. He added two catches for 15 yards. Meanwhile, he was playing, let's see, 59% of the snaps here. TJ Yeldon, zero opportunities. He played only 7% of their snaps. If Devin Singletary is out or limited, Frank Gore becomes a very cheap, low-end DFS option that's going to allow you to fill out the rest of your lineup with some studs. Uh, just keep an eye on that hamstring. They can be tricky. Uh, Singletary, once again, he looked really good in this game. Six carries for 57 yards and his first career touchdown, but keep an eye on his status. If he plays, I'd probably say he's the better of the two options, but not somebody I'd be looking to get in all of my DFS lineups just because I'm not sure how this rotation is going to work out going forward. And then receiver and tight end for the Bills? Uh, nothing at the tight end position. Uh, I think Lee Smith was their leading. Uh, excuse, uh, Lee Smith or Dawson Knox, the rookie. They're really rotating a bunch of tight ends there. They have three guys. Uh, Dawson Knox, the rookie. Lee Smith, the veteran blocker. And they have this youngster by the name of Tommy Sweeney. Ross, a very Italian name there, Tommy Sweeney. <laughs> uh, and uh, But at wide receiver, you start John Brown every week. Uh, there's just a, a great connection between him and, uh, and and Josh Allen. Ross, I actually talked to, to uh, John Brown this weekend, m- myself and Matt Camp on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio after the Bills win, and he said, look, Allen is a way more of a technician than you actually think. Um, he's he's somebody who wants you to run a route 10 times and he wants you to run it five times perfectly before you stop practicing it. And I think we're starting to see that connection. I don't think any of us, and I was high on John Brown. I don't think any of us anticipated he would have games like seven for 72 on eight targets. I think we were drafting John Brown with maybe like I talked about John Ross. Oh, he's going to catch three of eight targets, but hopefully one of them's a 55 yard touchdown. John Brown looks like the number one receiver here. Josh Allen loves him. And John Brown is somebody I would certainly be looking to plug into my lineups each and every week. Remember, this is now is a Bengal defense that gave up long touchdowns to Marquise Goodwin and Debo Samuel last week. I'm getting John Brown in my lineup. And if you want a really cheap option, I'd be okay looking at Cole Beasley as well. How about... The Lions and the Eagles, Uh, I guess we'll start with the Eagles because of all of the injuries. I mean, we're recording it on Tuesday, but most people don't believe that either Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson will play. I would tend to doubt Dallas Goddard would as well. Where is the opportunity there then? I mean, Ross, have you ever seen anything like that? Three guys getting hurt in pregame warmups, three of their top four receivers? Well, Deshaun Jackson and and Alshon Jeffrey both got hurt in the first 10 plays of the game, but Goddard was pregame warmups, and and I still have never seen it. No. Yeah, and by the way, I saw a video of Alshon limping prior to the game, so I think he tried to tough it out and just couldn't do it. I mean, it, it's ridiculous, but I think Dallas Goddard on the game plan, Ross, was actually the more impactful one because Doug Peterson essentially came out after the game and admitted they were going to run a ton of two tight end sets. And the Eagles had only two tight ends on their roster, so they, they had to scrap them all when Dallas Goddard went down. 
Um, the, the opportunity, Ross, if Jeffrey or Deshaun and or Deshaun don't play, it's Nelson Aguilar. And look, I understand he had that awful drop that and that would have won the Eagles the game uh, on that throw by Wentz down the sideline. Just a terrible drop. He said he lost it in the lights. What I th- simply think happened, Ross, was he saw that the safety was taking a bad angle and he was going to be able to outrun him if he caught the ball. Um, and he just lost his concentration. But he still caught eight passes for 107 yards and a touchdown in that game. So he had a big game despite the drop. And it's noteworthy that Carson Wentz went back to Nelson Aguilar after that play where he dropped the ball. And they actually ended up converting a fourth and 14 on that series uh, before the game ended on the Zach Ertz uh, missing the first down by a couple of inches. So Nelson Aguilar is the guy who's going to get the opportunities. If you really want to go deep, presuming uh, Alshon does not play. You can take a look at J.J. Ross, Arthega Whiteside. <laughs> um, he played He played uh, 93% of the snaps. That was actually second to Aguilar among Eagle wide receivers. He had only one catch. The concern I would have with Arthega Whiteside is he could draw the matchup with Darius Slay on the outside. So I would think Aguilar... The, the fact that they can move him inside and in the slot would have the better matchup of these guys if Deshaun and or Alshon do not play in this game. Running back or tight end for the Eagles? Well, they're well, tight end, first and foremost. You, you start Zach Ertz every week. Uh, I, I And you can't play Dallas Goddard even if he goes in this game until we see something from him. Running back is, is the concern here. Darren Sproles, after he was like kind of Unbelievably, the Eagles lead back in week one. He plays 35% of the snaps and gets just three opportunities, all of them targets in week number two. He didn't even have a rush attempt. And Ross, as you saw in that game, he actually ended up playing a lot of wide receiver because they didn't have the bodies uh, otherwise. So he had to be split out wide. Miles Sanders is the guy they want to use. Uh, I saw Mike Grow, the offensive coordinator, just today saying, you know, we're focusing on getting him to, to hit the hole a little bit harder. They think he's bouncing a little too much right now. But he's the guy they want to use. They love him in pass protection. He had uh, 14 opportunities and led the team for the second straight week in snaps. Uh, he is a flex option at best until we see more out of him. But he's the guy you should be playing if you're playing anybody in this backfield. He has led them in snaps in each of the first two games. What about on the other side for the Lions? Well, the, the concern I have here is with on Johnson because the Eagle run defense has been spectacular uh, through the first two games of the season. They gave up just 57 yards rushing uh, to the Falcons in week number two. That's Devontae Freeman and Edo Smith. In week number one, Ross, they gave up just 28 yards rushing to the Washington Redskins. So they've given up just 85 yards rushing through two games. So this is a bad spot for carry on Johnson unless he catches the football. And that's what he did last week when he went off for that 36 yard touchdown. So he's on the low end RB two range this week. Probably not somebody I'd be considering in DFS carry on Johnson. Uh, also 12 carries for 41 yards. And they're trying to work in some other backs after CJ Anderson played a lot in week one. It was Ty Johnson who actually was the second leading rusher in week number two, uh, the youngster, um, the young running back. So he uh, he went for five for 30 on the ground. And he also caught two passes. He was kind of the guy that the beat writers had pegged as their Theo Riddick replacement. So keep an eye on Ty Johnson. But this is the only guy you can play is carry on Johnson. And I would consider him in this backfield a low end number two, uh, a running back this week. And then at wide receiver, Ross, you play Galladay. 
you play Marvin Jones. The Eagles have been burned for big plays in each of their uh, of their first two games. Um, Ronald Darby's been been picked on. Andrew Sendejo, the third safety, has been picked on. So I think both of these guys are viable. The Eagles gave up 100 yards receiving to Terry McLaurin in week one. They gave up 100-yard games to both Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley in week two. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Galladay will be more popular and he'll be more expensive, but both of these guys are viable here in week number two as DFS plays Ross. Keep in mind as well that the Lions are seven-point underdogs in Philly, so they're projected to be playing from behind, which means a lot of passing opportunities for Matthew Stafford, who is a very good streaming quarterback option, especially if you lost uh, Breeze, Roethlisberger, maybe Cam, one of those guys this week. So Galladay, Marvin Jones, and that tight end TJ Hawkinson, who was disappointing last week, all three guys, DFS options, all three startable with the Lions projected to play from behind in Philadelphia. Okay, what about running back in, in Detroit? Well, like I said, Carry on Johnson's the only guy. You yeah, 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 yeah. It is Johnson, interesting, though. Ty Johnson, the scat back, is somebody to watch in deeper leagues. Uh, he played 21% of the snaps and seven opportunities for him. C.J. Anderson at this point to me, Ross, he's just a handcuff to Carry on Johnson. If I'm going to... If I'm going to have a lion who I think could actually have independent value, it would be Ty Johnson. Keep an eye on him in deeper leagues. Jets at Patriots, I'm assuming. Uh, I mean, I guess for the Jets, maybe we just talk about Le'Veon Bell? Uh, well, then it's easy. You play Le'Veon Bell. Ross, no running back in week number two had more opportunities than Le'Veon Bell. That's carries plus targets. He had 21 carries and 10 targets. He caught all 10. Uh, 31 opportunities. That is massive. He is the guy you play here. Uh, Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder with Luke Falk at quarterback, wide receiver fours. Now, the one advantage you have here is the Jets are absolutely projected to be playing from behind. Ross, this is a 23-point spread. The Jets' 10.5 implied team total this week. Uh, from what I understand, is the lowest since 2013 and the third lowest in the last 20 years. Uh, so 10.5, uh, the markets absolutely hate this Jets offense with Luke Falk. But also, how about this? The Patriots haven't given up a touchdown, Ross, since the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. They didn't give up a touchdown in week one. They didn't give up a touchdown in week two. They actually shut out the Dolphins. And they didn't give up a touchdown in the Super Bowl to the Rams. This is a legitimate defense. Look, I understand. You and I could shut out the Dolphins. But they shut out the Steelers in week one. They held, uh, well, they held them to three points in week one. They held the Rams to three points in the Super Bowl. This is a legitimate defense. So Robbie Anderson, who I figure will draw the shadow coverage of Stephon Gilmore, I'd bench him this week. The only two Jets that you can consider are Le'Veon Bell, who you're definitely playing, and Jamison Crowder, who you're only playing if you're desperate. Okay, how about on the Patriots side of things as, as Brady continues to spread it around? Same, same analysis as last week, Ross. Start them all. And uh, I'm, I'm going to start with Sony Michelle in the backfield. That was one of the easiest touchdown calls I've ever had in my entire life, that Sony Michelle was going to score against the Dolphins when they were projected three touchdown favorites after he had a terrible game in week one. Um, James White actually got in the end zone. You're lucky if you started him and he got in the end zone because he only had seven opportunities. He's more of the guy that... You anticipate the Patriots are going to use if they're in a game where there's a lot of scoring on both sides. So uh, he got in the end zone but only got seven opportunities. The problem in the backfield is Rex Burkhead is still 
here murking things up. He got seven opportunities as well. If all of his opportunities were divided between White and Michelle, I would have a much better feel for this backfield. But as we are as we are sitting here today, Ross, Sony Michelle's the guy I want to target for DFS yet again. And we saw it last week. He got 21 carries. He ran for over 80 yards. He got a touchdown. You probably would have wanted to see a little bit more, but I expect him to get fed yet again this week against the Jets with the Patriots expected to blow them out of the water. Let's move on. Let's get to the next game, and that is the Raiders at the Vikings. Raiders quick out of the gate. Little Waller, little Tyrell Williams, little Jacobs. They were your favorite team to talk about last week. They slowed down after that. Uh, Ross, I need to stop believing in Derek Carr. I really need to. I mean, I, I have made, I have made some really good DFS decisions this year. I have messed up my quarterback decision each of the first two weeks, and it's utterly crippled me. Uh, I used Jameis Winston in week one, and then I used Derek Carr as my main DFS quarterback in week two. And I should have seen this coming. I'm an idiot. Ah. But uh, but Derek Carr, uh, he comes out, Ross, and it looked like I was going to be right, you know? They come out, they, they get the ball down the field, they're throwing it to Waller, they're throwing it to Tyrell Williams, and then nothing. Just nothing after that. A couple of picks for Derek Carr. Uh, Ross, on the road in Minnesota, no way I'm considering him. That being said, everything else is pretty easy to figure out with the Raiders. I mentioned this on the podcast last week. That they're one of those narrow fantasy teams where you, you understand where the ball is going in most instances, and that makes it easy for us for fantasy. Darren Waller's a tight end one right now, Ross. Uh, six catches for 63 yards on seven targets. You're going to take that from your tight end every week. Tyrell Williams, he's a wide receiver too right now. Five for 46 and a touchdown on seven targets. I really wish we got to see more of Tyrell Williams. I'm surprised we didn't, but the Raiders just couldn't get things moving consistently after the first drive against the Chiefs. But with the Raiders projected to play from behind, they are eight-point underdogs. I think you play both of those guys. The guy I really want to want to see here is Josh Jacobs. Um, I think he was dealing with a groin injury. He he was in and out of the locker room. The concern I have with Jacobs right now, Ross, through two games. Well, a he looks good. First of all, he uh, he almost ran for a hundred yards in week two. He twelve for ninety nine. But here's the issue. He has just one target, and that is really surprising to me, given how he was used at college. Of course, he turned that target in week one into a 27-yard reception, uh, so he can do it. It's just I'm a little disappointed right now that they seem intent on working in DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard, uh, especially Richard, who had – Rossi had five opportunities. He gained five yards on those opportunities and fumbled. So uh, I would think Jalen Richard isn't long for the field if he's going to keep doing those things. But we need Josh Jacobs, A, to be healthy, monitor his status, and B, we need Josh Jacobs to start catching some passes because that I factored that in as a major reason he was going to have fantasy value. Conversely, for the Vikings, uh, Dalvin Cook looks amazing. Uh, your guy, Kirk Cousins, I've defended him for so long. That was so frustrating. 14 of 32, Ross. Uh, this day and age in the NFL, how often do you see quarterbacks go 14 of 32? Especially a guy, by the way, in Cousins, who completed 70% of his passes last year. Uh, he was atrocious against the Packers. But Dalvin Cook, Ross, as long as he stays healthy, he is going to be in the mix to be the number one overall running back this year. He is special. I mean, they're running that zone blocking scheme, and he fits it well. 
And here's the thing that I think is also disappointing about Cousins. I tend to think that they're actually kind of blocking well, at least for the run game. And that's always been a concern with the Vikings the last few years. But with uh, with Dalvin Cook running this offense, he's their number one guy. I think we've got to downgrade in our on our personal depth charts Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Now, look. They got eight tar- – Thielen had eight targets and Diggs had seven last week. You're going to get more than enough production if they see th- those numbers of targets each and every week. The problem is Cousins was so bad that Diggs caught only one of his targets. It was for a 49-yard touchdown. And Thielen was just five for 75. Unfortunately, Ross, they these are two guys who in the first half of last year were both kind of wide receiver ones. They're both wide receiver twos until further notice. That being said – I do wonder if you can get Diggs and Thielen at kind of a DFS ownership discount this week because everybody is just completely disillusioned with what they saw from Cousins. These are guys who are always making a DFS impact last week against this shaky Raider secondary, uh, one that, Ross, uh, you might have seen they gave up a couple of plays last week. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman. Are, they're they're still running running free in the Bay Area. The Chiefs couldn't find them to get them on the plane. Uh I would start Diggs and Thielen in DFS. Pick your poison. I'd probably choose Diggs against this Raider secondary that got absolutely annihilated deep by the Chiefs last week. Speaking of the Chiefs, they host the Baltimore Ravens. It feels like a a pretty good fantasy matchup. Why don't we start with the Road Ravens? Yeah, let's do that. Um, Look, Lamar Jackson, you play the teams in front of you. He's had two really good matchups thus far, Ross, and he has performed above and beyond expectations. You know, it, it, we're going to talk about it when we get to the Cowboys. At some point, you you know, you have to acknowledge when they're playing uh, when they're playing a a bad team, but you also have to acknowledge, you know, you have to beat the teams in front of you. The Ravens have done that, and here's the key for Lamar Jackson, and this is why everybody drafted him after he ran for just six yards in Week One. 120 in week number two. Uh, He's going to be an unbelievably popular DFS quarterback this week. He is going to be expensive, but he's going to be unbelievably popular with the Ravens touchdown underdogs in this game for good reason. And and you're going to stack them with Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown. Here's the, here's the nice news for Hollywood Brown. Let's start with him at the wide receiver position. After he played, I think, just 18 total snaps in week one, he led the Ravens receivers in snaps in week two. That's a huge jump for him. He was at 65% of the snaps, and he saw 13 targets. His performance is sustainable if he's going to lead the receivers in snaps. So he's the only wide receiver from this team you can consider. On the flip side, Mark Andrews is Lamar Jackson's favorite receiver. Eight catches for 112 yards on nine targets, uh, and, he, and he scored a touchdown. Now, in week one, his touchdown came from Robert Griffin uh, uh, against the Dolphins. However, through two games, Mark Andrews has 16 receptions on 17 targets, and he's gone over 100 yards in each of his first two games. He is going to be a very popular DFS tight end uh, against a Chiefs team that gave up six for 67 to Darren Waller last week. And I, Ross, I got to admit it. I see it here. Mark Andrews, he's another guy. You don't want to be too fooled by the snap counts. Oh, he's only playing 53% of the snaps. He's playing fewer snaps than Nick Boyle. But Nick Boyle's in there to block, Ross. Mark Andrews is in there to catch passes, and he's doing it brilliantly. On the other side, the Kansas City Chiefs. Anything on the running backs quick for the Ravens? 
Well, uh, Mark Ingram is the guy you start, and I they've been in two relatively e- uh, easy matchups thus far. I don't know if we've seen their plan for Justice Hill yet. I still, in my opinion, Justice Hill is still a bench hold um, until until we see if the Ravens maybe will start unleashing him in a couple of weeks here. But Mark Ingram, you start each and every week. Uh, he's been fantastic, and he fits this offense just brilliantly. Okay, what about on the other side for the Chiefs? Tyreek Hill still out. Not a big game for Sammy, but you mentioned Hardman and especially Demarcus Robinson. Wow. Yeah, he's a talented guy, Ross, and and he's just never really gotten an opportunity. He just makes flash plays here and there. I would love to be able to say, Ravens fans, that, well, the Chiefs played the Jaguars, who obviously are going through some turmoil right now, Ross, in the secondary. I think that's fair to say. And they played the Raiders, and, you know, those are two easy matchups. But, I mean, I I don't care if you had the 85 Bears plus the Legion of Boom out there. I'm still starting all the Chiefs. I'm starting them all. I, Ross, Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman. These are wide receiver threes. I know Sammy Watkins didn't have a huge game. He still had 13 targets, though. So I'm still considering him a wide receiver one. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, do I need to tell you to start him? You start him. Travis Kelsey, always a great DFS option. Um, Demarcus Robinson and Mecole Hardman. The problem here is, Ross, I I think you're going to need the big plays. And in DFS, uh, there's a chance, like I was talking about with John Ross, that they go two for 30. But I, I, I'm willing to play them each and every week. The problem here is the running back position, where we're not really sure at this stage of the week how they're going to be deployed. LaShawn McCoy had to go for an ankle MRI. Apparently everything's okay, but he's not exactly the picture of health that he was in, in his Philly days. Uh, he missed time in, I believe, three of the last four seasons in Buffalo, Ross, with hamstring problems. And if he has problems with his wheels, um, his waning burst is going to show up. He had just 23 yards on 14 touches in week number two. And Damian Williams left that game late with a knee injury uh, against the Raiders. I don't think that was serious. I think that was more of a, hey, we're going to win this game. We'll just pull back from Damian Williams. They had Daryl Williams in there. Um, but Damian Williams right now, Ross, he's probably still my preferred chief running back because he is the guy getting the targets. He had three for 48 receiving on five targets. And even if McCoy is healthy, I do think there's an opportunity for Damian Williams to carve out kind of a James White-ish role. And as we've seen for fantasy, that's pretty valuable on a good offense. It really is. Let's get to the Falcons and the Colts. Interesting matchup. Speaking of running backs, Falcons, Devontae Freeman, Ido Smith. This is kind of like a Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard redux here. Uh, Devontae Freeman, 11 carries for 22 yards against Philadelphia. Tough matchup. In week number one, eight carries for 19 yards against Minnesota. Tough matchup. But I don't think this indie defense, Ross, is uh, is one you really want to mess around with. Now, they gave up a lot of production on the ground in week one to Austin Eckler. They gave up a touchdown to Derrick Henry in week two. So it's a little bit more gettable than Minnesota or the Eagles defense. But Devontae Freeman, the concern I have right now for him, Ross, the offensive line, Caleb McGarry. Chris Lindstrom. Uh, McGarry came back into that game against the Eagles after injuring his knee, but Lindstrom's out with the broken foot. 
they're not going to be 100% up front. So right now, Devontae Freeman is a low-end RB2 until we see more. The one good thing about him is he caught three passes for 42 yards uh, against the Eagles if you're looking for a little bit of a, of a positive. And, and Edo Smith, unfortunately, Ross, he's only really a fantasy wrench right now. You can't really use him, but every time he's out there, he's taking a potential snap uh, from Devontae Freeman. Uh, he had seven opportunities here in week number two against the Eagles. And after they split their snaps evenly in week one, it was 62% for Freeman and 38% for Edo Smith in week two. But that's still enough for Edo Smith to disrupt Devontae Freeman. Okay, what about Hooper and the receivers? Uh, Hooper is a guy that if you want if you want to throw somebody out there to catch a couple of passes uh, and maybe not do a whole lot else, Austin Hooper's fine. Uh, the 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 Colts have been mediocre against the tight end, but overall solid. Four for thirty nine for Delaney Walker last week. They gave up five for sixty to Hunter Henry uh, before Hunter Henry got hurt in Week One. So a mediocre matchup for Hooper. And the thing about Julio and Ridley. You just kind of start them every week. Uh, and I'm interested to see Kenny Moore, the slot corner here, uh, what kind of matchup he's going to draw. If they're going to put Julio in the slot, Ridley. I, but those two guys, they're they're coming off. They've had big games thus far. Um, at least Julio in garbage time in week one got the touchdown, and then he was spectacular against the Eagles. Ridley was great against the Eagles. He beat Ronald Darby deep a couple of times. You start those two guys each and every week. Uh, neither one a particularly special DFS option this week on the road, Ross. Um, I much prefer the Falcons at home, but at, le- at the very least, they're indoors in Indianapolis. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's get to the, the Colts guys now. What do you got there? Well, Marlon Mack, this is the kind of thing you get concerned about with Marlon Mack. Um, Ross, in college, I can, when I watched him at the University of South Florida, I, I got away from watching his film and thinking uh, he was a basketball. He was constantly bouncing. And if the things, if, if the runs are well-defined for him and the blocking is good, Marlon Mack is as explosive as they come in the NFL. But if the things get a little muddied at the point of attack, I think he can really get in his own head and, and really leave yards on the field. And that's what happened last week against a really tough uh, Titan defense. 20 carries for 51 yards. But the thing is, he's dominating the snaps here. 68%. He had 23 opportunities compared to just four for Naeem Hines and six for Jordan Wilkins. So Marlon Mack is a hammer RB2 right now. You can even consider him an RB1 in games where the Colts are favored, and they're favored in this one by two and a half points. So Marlon Mack at the tight end position, excuse me, at the running back position is the guy you play here, and you just hope that things are clear for him and he can bust off a long run or two. At wide receiver, unfortunately, Ross, it was good to see Paris Campbell get in the end zone. But the only guy you can consider playing is T.Y. Hilton. Ross, he was the only Colt wide receiver in week two to play more than 50% of their snaps. He played 90%. Uh, Frank Reich was rotating everybody else. Chester Rogers played 40%. Uh, Zach Pascal, I, I know, Ross, you're a big Zach Pascal guy, 44% of the snaps. 46% for Dion Kane. He just got done playing Superman on TV. And Paris Campbell, 25%. These guys are not – these guys, are they're really grasping here with the, with uh, Devin Funches out. We need more clarity uh, on these wide receivers before we play any of them outside of T.Y. Hilton. Eric Ebron, he's the guy you play at tight end and just hope he gets in the end zone, which he did last week. <laughs> um, you're cracking me up, man. All right, let's get to <laughs> – 
Let's get to the Broncos and the Packers. Broncos offensively kind of yuck, although Emmanuel Sanders has really made a nice comeback. Ross, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in terms of injury comebacks in the NFL. And, and I, I'll fully admit it. I was out on Emmanuel Sanders this year. I, I just like, look, he's he's on the wrong side of 30. Believe me, I'm on the wrong side of 32, Ross. Uh, uh, given how I've felt the last couple of days, I, I can tell that. But the fact that he came back from not just Achilles surgery, but surgery on his other ankle, and he's out there playing 93% of the snaps and getting 13 targets – I mean, are you kidding me? I, I'm just, I'm floored by this. And I didn't expect it. I didn't anticipate it. I will not apologize for that, but I'll fully admit my error here, uh, underestimating Emmanuel Sanders. He is a weekly wide receiver three. I think Cortland Sutton is the same. Uh, both of those guys are up and over 90% of their snaps in week number two against the against the Bears. And look, the fact that Emmanuel Sanders and Sutton put up numbers, well, at least Sanders did, against the Bears is a really good sign going forward for them against a really tough defense. And this Packer defense, Ross, is better than you think it is. Uh, the, the big problem here for the for the Broncos is the backfield. I thought all offseason that they were kind of foolish for their insistence on reducing Philip Lindsay's role, and they've done it. Now, Lindsay had 20 opportunities in week number two in week number two here. Uh, you can get away with having 20 opportunities. He had 13 carries and seven targets, but he gained just 36 yards on the ground. Meanwhile, Royce Freeman had 18 opportunities. They are rotating both of these guys. They're rotating them aggressively. They are even splits. And I think both guys are actually playing pretty well, but because it's such an even split, neither guy is better than a flex right now. And neither guy certainly is, is not, is not a DFS option because it's really hard to pick between the two. It's not like they each have an individual role. It's just that they rotate them. Uh, both both Lindsey and Freeman had seven targets. So it's not you, like you can even say, oh, Lindsey's the receiving back and Freeman's the hammer. They're not using them like that. They're using them in a completely even split. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, what about for the Packers on the other side? They got three quick touchdowns and then that was it. Ross, I got a hot one coming for you. Are you ready for this? Yeah. There is one guy on the Green Bay Packers named Aaron, who you start every week. And Aaron Jones. It's Aaron Jones. Uh, Ross, until until Monday night and Le'Veon Bell got himself 31 opportunities, Aaron Jones led all running backs in opportunities in week number two. He had 29 23 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown, six receptions, or excuse me, six targets, which he turned into four receptions for 34 yards. Ross, he got 29 opportunities while playing just 57% of their snaps. Hmm. Virtually every time he was on the field, he was either targeted or given a carry. That is huge. Now, Jamal Williams is still being used entirely too much for my tastes, but Aaron Jones is the better player. He is on the RB1 radar in a game the Packers are projected to control. They are seven and a half point favorites at home against the Broncos. I don't think I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying I don't expect the Broncos to score a whole lot of points. Aaron Jones is one of my favorite DFS plays of the week because the Packers should control this game. I think he's got another hundred yard game and a touchdown. 
uh, lined up for this week against the Denver Broncos. I'm going to be starting a lot of DFS lineups with Aaron Jones. Okay. What about tight ends and receivers for the pack? Uh, If you're starting a tight end, it's Jimmy Graham, and you're begging that he gets a touchdown. Two targets, no receptions last week. He needs a touchdown uh, to to get value. At wide receiver, Geronimo Allison scored this week, Ross, but he's still playing under 50% of the Packers' offensive snaps. So he's a bench guy at best to me. They are playing a lot of two running back and two tight end sets, which limits the amount of snaps for a slot receiver like Allison to get. Their two main receivers are Devontae Adams, who broke out last week, predictably. 95% of their snaps he got nine targets, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who got 87% of the snaps and six targets. Valdez-Scantling is a wide receiver for flex. Devontae Adams, you play each and every week. Okay, the last game for this episode. It's the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know if there's anything to say there. And the Cowboys, there's a lot to say there, especially with the Michael Gallup news. Uh, how about, hey, Dallas, uh, you want to, like, thank the the scheduling office of the of the National Football League. Ross, I have never seen anything like this. The Cowboys, week one, the Giants, who played air defensively. Week two, the Redskins, who, after starting strong against the Eagles, gave up like 32 points in the second half. Week three, they get the Dolphins. Do you know who they play week four, Ross, Cowboys? Saints without Brees? Saints without Drew Brees. I mean, this might be the easiest schedule I've ever seen for for the first month for the NFL. Now, the Cowboys have to beat who's in front of them, and Dak Prescott is playing spectacularly well. But for for fantasy purposes, we have to acknowledge that there might be a little bit of of sell-high opportunity after this first month for the Cowboys. But for right now, start them all. Start them all against the Dolphins. I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to be massively popular in DFS this week. Uh, the Cowboys are three touchdown favorites here at home. Zeke, as predicted, Ross, got, got his normal workload back last week uh, against the Redskins. He is, a, he is a slam dunk RB1, and he's going to be very popular in DFS. Uh, honestly, Ross, I think you can take a shot if you're really desperate at running back on Tony Pollard this week. Uh, he looked explosive to me uh, on just a couple of carries. And he had five opportunities in week two uh, against Washington. He only played 24% of the snaps, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys are leading this game big in the second half that they give, they essentially bench Zeke for the fourth quarter and let Tony Pollard go nuts. I would not be surprised if Tony Pollard gets a bunch of snaps here. Uh, You're starting Amari Cooper. They just traded Minka Fitzpatrick, by the way, your start up. You're obviously you're starting Dak Prescott. He's going to be popular for DFS. The guy who is really interesting as a DFS option, not Randall Cobb, although I can see it with him as well. Ross, if you want somebody who's super cheap, you remember Devin Smith? He yeah. was the second-round pick of the Jets like five years ago, had a bunch of knee injuries. He scored a 51-yard touchdown last week uh, on, on a nice ball by Dak Prescott. With Michael Gallup missing a few weeks here, I think Devin Smith has an opportunity to score a long touchdown this week. He is a nice, cheap DFS option if you really want to fill out the rest of your lineup with studs and you want a guy who's got a really good matchup here against the Dolphins. Okay, I I can buy that. Terrific work, Joe. As always, that is episode number one in the books. You and I will record episode two momentarily and then drop that in everybody's podcast app shortly after midnight. As a reminder, Yahoo now has 
daily fantasy football contest. They get a million-dollar contest with no management fee. 100 k goes to first place, meaning more of the money goes back to you, the players. They get a 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like other sites. Yahoo, Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest. So lots of prizes out there. If you're just getting started with daily fantasy football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long, 150 k in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win a cool mill. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. It has been a gigantic day for RT Media. We had my power rankings on the Ross Tucker football podcast this morning. Then we had Matt Waldman breaking down Michigan against Wisconsin and Georgia against Notre Dame, Florida, Tennessee on the College Draft Podcast. And then a day earlier than normal, we dropped the Even Money Podcast. So you can listen to all of those today, and we highly encourage you to do so. Make sure also you're subscribed to this show because part two coming up right now and dropped in your app after midnight. I'm stuffed, but not so stuffed we can't do another episode right now, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft, all available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.